and you're very welcome to another edition of the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond. I'm in the UK. Cold five degrees it was this morning, Rachel Burford, who is in the Caribbean. Morning. Not jealous at all, Berth. <laughs> How What temperature is it there now? Uh, I think it's about 22, 23. It is only 8am though, so it's... Oh. If it makes you feel better, we're also we're in rainy season, so it's not even like as hot as it normally gets, or yeah, as no, sunny as it normally yeah. gets. Yeah, heart, heart is bleeding here, as I'm sure it is <laughs> with the with the listeners. No, in all honesty, you deserve a good welcome break. And are you are you doing nothing, relaxing, chilling, recharging the batteries? Yeah, literally just doing nothing, sitting around. We're, we're in a really lovely spot, so you don't really need to go anywhere. You've got a beautiful view. Um, but yeah, literally doing nothing. Have you ever watched um, Mickey Flanagan when he talks about doing nothing? No. Brilliant comedian. He just talks about gone are the days where you do nothing. So he goes and he stares at the kettle and waits for it to boil. I've been doing stuff like that. He's <laughs> gone to that stage. Um, but no, I'm having a lovely time and sad it's coming to an end, but pretty excited about what's coming next as well. Yeah, absolutely. You, I mean, you know, one focus has been your, your sunset uh, photographs. <laughs> uh, and if you might put any more of those on social media, I shall be... Uh... Anyway, um, where the sun don't shine. Um, hugely exciting. We've named this pod The Car Before the Storm um, because this is what's coming up. We're, we're just going to rattle through... Some news that we've just missed the last couple of weeks with the, with the pods I've been doing sort of within the camps, uh, England and, and Wales. Didn't have an answer from Scotland, so um, it's not the fact that we didn't didn't get in touch. Um, yes, being a, a little uh, little slow on the, uh, on the on the reply of Scotland at the minute, but um, we will get some news from them. The idea is to do three pods next week, covering each of the three pools, and we are. World Cup focus between now and all the way through to the final in November. Today, as I say, we're going to rattle through some news. We've got news from all over the shop. We've got to start with 30,000 plus tickets already sold for day one at Eden Park Berth. Brilliant news, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think from how the the tournament's been positioned, you know, with COVID, lockdown restrictions, all of those things. I think everybody was a bit nervous about what that was going to be. But now to have sold 30,000 and more are going to come in, for sure. It, the old fear of missing out is going to kick in and people are going to be rushing for those tickets. So mega excited. What, what a way for the players to open up the tournament. You know, I still flash back to my first experience where there's literally like, maybe 50 people there. So remarkable scenes and mega excited to to be there and witness it. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember calling games and, and hearing dogs bark um, back, back in back in the day. And yeah, um, inc- incredible scenes. And that's brilliant. I've even been listening to a bit of Rita Ora myself just to just get across it, <laughs> with research. Um, Give but us no, the let, line then. Uh, yeah, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're normally never shy of doing those kind of things, Johnny. Um, I can't remember, off the top of my head, I can't remember one of her songs. Um, <laughs> uh, one with Sigala, she should probably just go, a lot, doesn't she? Anyway, <laughs> uh, enough of the vocal talents because there aren't many. Um, yeah, no, it's a brilliant way to start the tournament. You're down there 
covering it for World Rugby on the World Feed there and doing some stuff with ITV as well. Well done, you. Brilliant. Looking forward to, to that. I'm doing some commentary for ITV back here in the UK as well. And, and every game's going to be live for the first time. We're 99% sure. Um, first time that uh, every World Cup game's going to be live on terrestrial television um, on ITV. So that's, that's fantastic. A um, couple of squads that have been announced. And a little bit late news, but um, we have got to get your thoughts on them Berth, I was there with with Wales uh, Gerald Davis had a chat with them they seem in a really really good place no surprises really large number of those players playing in the Prem 15s 10 from Gloucester 7 from Bristol Lily Crap to captain no surprise there Hannah Jones co-captain Snowsill Harry's Thomas going to their fourth and Abby Fleming Ron Wilkins and Laurie Norkett now on full-time contracts um, and you have to have a special mention to Lowry, don't we? Lowry Norkett, uh, following in the footsteps of her her sister Ellie, who passed away in 2017, um, but she played it in 2014. And yeah, Lowry, uh, as we heard on the pod last week, was was down there, Marcosi. Um, be very, very special for her, and lots of those Welsh players going to the first World Cup. Yeah, mega um, special for for their whole family. Um, you know, it's a rare thing to be able to play for your country, let alone have two, two of your daughters playing. Um, and obviously, especially in her memories, be really special and quite emotional. Um, but I don't think there is too many surprises, really. It's kind of the spine of their team, what they started to build out when the first set of contracts came out and then built um, players around that as well. The only person I, I am surprised not to be involved is Courtney Key from Bristol Bears, the winger quite a big, strong, powerful winger. Um, she's always played really well for Bristol. And, I, you know, that kind of power on the edge could be something that they they, they might lack um, in terms of, you know, as, as great as Jazzy is and physical as she can be, she's slight and same with um, Laurie um, as well. So I think just that would be the only player that I would have thought why she dropped out of favour. Yeah, but she's been out for a little while, hasn't she? Um, again, yeah, don't don't know. You're on the ground in New Zealand. You go find out. Okay. Uh, there's your mission. Mission accepted. <laughs> uh, but look, we're, we're all about the positives, the people that, that have been selected. Scotland, again, don't think there's a huge amount of surprises. The makeup was a bit, for me, 16 forwards, 16 backs. Um, your first World Cup for the entire squad. Funnily enough, um, Dr. Rachel Malcolm, the good doctor, leads Helen Nelson, her vice skipper, uh, and there's experience in those 50 cappers. Lana Skeldon, the uh, yeah, the energetic hooker, she will be very important to them. Sarah Law, Chloe Rowley, and Jay Conkle Roberts. Emma Orr is just 19, but I don't know about you as a former international centre, but she is one to watch. Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching her over the lot, like during Six Nations and also um, some of the Sevens games that she's been playing as well. She's just, she's a great outside break centre. Um, and also, I think defensively, she reads D really well. So really excited to see her kick on. But I think generally, yeah, it's interesting, 16 forward, 16 back. You haven't seen many other teams do that at all. Um, they've gone more heavy on their pack. But maybe, you know... Scotland are coming into the World Cup at a great time, right? They've got seven-day turnarounds, <laughs> which isn't something that has been, I would say, a huge factor to competitiveness at World Cups. Um, 
the, the kind of three giants, England, France and New Zealand, have always had enough depth to rotate over those four or five day turnarounds that we used to play in um, and other teams didn't. So they had to put the same teams out. And I think, you know, that really works in Scotland's favour. And maybe that's the, the decisions why he's gone 16 and 16. That's a good point. Look at the clarity that the Caribbean is giving you. I know. <laughs> clear air, clear thoughts. Um, USA. <laughs> Nine return for a second dose of the World Cup action. Hope Rogers uh, at her third. Uh, Katie Zachary is the captain. Uh, she's one of 19 who play there. Club Rugby and England, and they make no apologies about it. Rod Kane uh, spoke to him down in Devon. Um, he said, yeah, to get this regular sort of rugby. Otherwise, it's just, just nothing for them. Sadly, no place for Alicia Washington. But any names spring out to you, um, that admission there? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, Rob Kane's been quite... Um, he's, over the last couple of years, he's been testing a few players. He brought a couple of players over from sevens. And I think for him, this is his really settled squad and integrating the players into the Premier 15s. I, at USA, I find such an interesting one because... When you look at the talent of players that they have, they have so much depth and so much talent in their squad. I mean, Lottie Clapp has an addition to it that, that massively bolsters their side as well. But yeah, I just, but we're not seeing that kind of, what I'm envisaging for the envisaging, what I envisage for them, I haven't seen yet. And I really hope that kind of playing against England, they've gone away, they've worked on some areas because actually, at times, they were really clinical. They got into the 22, but they just couldn't finish anything. Their exiting was really poor um, from a kicking strategy. So I think you tidy a couple of those things up and then they, the margins become shorter in tea, uh, against other teams. So I, I really want big things for USA. Um, and hopefully, you know, with the they have got a lot of experience in there, nine players that have been to a World Cup before and the way that teams are integrated and playing in Prem 15s they've gained so much more value experience that hopefully you can see bring into the to the World Cup 100% um, yeah shouldn't go too deeply into it Berth, because we'll save ourselves for, for next week in the previews but no I'm with you a lot on paper Somna Rogers Zachary yeah it just it just goes on Cantona um I thought that that link to Cantona was was an issue um down in Devon against the Red Rose it was just just too too slow and then Kelter and Detroit yeah and it's um they, they I think they were massively built as the tournament goes on as that that time together Italy's one of the uh, sort of only other top rate nations that we've not spoken about birth um Manuela Forlan in. Thought a leg had fallen off in the last game. No, we, we joke, but it, it looked like a, a t tremendously serious injury. But brilliant that they feel they, sh they can get her back on the park because she is huge for them. Oh, I mean, what a roller coaster that probably was for her as an individual to think World Cup's over. Um, somebody that you know she is talentswoman for them. So to have carried them all the way to through to qualification. Um, and then at that hurdle, potentially it will be over. And then big turnaround and, and she's got herself a seat. Um, I don't know the extent of it. Um, hopefully that, you know, it's a bit like an Abby Dow situation. If you've got a player that you know can make a difference and if they're fit, then you take them and you get them ready and 
when they're available you bring them into the tournament so yeah wonderful for her as a personal individual to to still be going on that plane or be in New Zealand now any any a bit like uh Scotland Wales not not too many other surprises fairly settled side isn't it uh, the Italians yeah I think they're really settled I think you know their backline partnerships their pack is always enormously strong um ball carriers it's good to see Jada also we haven't seen much of her because she's been managing her knee injury so for her to be back in the side as well but you know I think Italy as they surprised us over the last kind of 12 months that maybe a bit longer than that you know I think they're a bit of a sleeping giant and the contract situation again so the the time and the prep that they've had together um you know, I really hope that we're going to see more from these teams um, at the World Cup because of the nature of all the prep that they've had. They've been building, they've been learning lots of good lessons and you know, hopefully that's going to turn around into pressure and points and wins for them at the World Cup. Let's hope so. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, let's move on to some other bits of news. But we're just going to crack through this news and, and have a bit of a chat on a few bits as we go through. Last weekend, the Black Ferns ran in fifth tries uh, in a 95-12 demolition of Japan. Paul Sherwoodman just a light seven tries doing Paul Sherwoodman things. Um, Silent Assassin, friend of the pod, Stacey Fleur is on the score sheet. Hirani, the sevens players coming back in, making a bit of a difference. Uh, Ruby too, although she's been involved with the 15s uh, this season, was on the score sheet as well. Kendra Coxage in the last few games now, uh, notching up 20 points impressive but more of a training run than anything else yeah I'd say that probably you know a lot of the starters in terms of like starter plays probably work for them so it would have probably been more of a like you say a team run and that's no disrespect to Japan because I I don't think that was a fair display of what Japan can produce um you know it's a big occasion um a big moment for them playing against New Zealand you know, I've been there when you first time you play New Zealand, they have that aura around them, whatever their results on were previously. Um, so, yeah, I think probably wasn't a test really for New Zealand, but it allowed those girls to come back in, embed themselves. I mean, Porter really did embed herself in that game, seven tries. Um, you know, I'm sure she'll say all the hard work was done by everybody else, but she does do some individual brilliance that, yeah, and I, I think the fact that all three who have come into the team have all got on the score sheet because they can do brilliant things. So I think that's a massive lift for them having the three girls come back from the sevens and, and be involved. Couldn't agree with you more. So a little international roundup for you. Some of these bits from a week or so ago, but we do try and bring you all of the news. The Scotland versus Spain test match did not go ahead due to the death of Elizabeth II. Italy beat France in the second of their test matches, 26-19 the final score. And that Maria and Rigoni partnership looked brilliant. Yeah, it did, didn't it? And the French, we already discussed some quite strange selections. Um, and yeah, good to have New Zealand with that, a loss under their belt. But Fiji begin their prep underway Um hosting games it's just brilliant to see uh, down in Suva they played Wahini Mari uh, on the 16th of September they won 32-10 and then followed that up with another test at home against Canada at half time it was nil-nil and ended up 24-7 to the visitors Tyson Bukibu 
one of the best names in rugby, uh, scored the <laughs> final try on her 50th Test match. And the French coaching group is now all sorted. This is from some time ago, but it just wasn't really announced. Um, as we say, we like to keep you up to date. Um, Thomas Derrick is now coach general manager is Annick Herro and the assistant coaches Gail Mignot and David Ortiz. News from New Zealand that the Super Rugby Alpaki competition returns in February 2023. It does, Berth. Chiefs, Blues, Hurricanes, Matatu will play across five weekends, slightly extended. The headline news is Crystal Kaua for the Chiefs and Victoria Grant for the Hurricanes will be named as two of the head coaches, the first female head coaches in the competition. Willie Walker leads the Blues and Blair Baxter, Matatu. Victoria Grant, that's the... Old fullback, right? Yeah. She's a classy player. Real glider, wasn't she? A fullback. Winger. Yeah, no, fullback. Yeah, played against a number of times. 2010 World Cup. Oh, it's great to see some more female coaches. Meanwhile, Hawks Bay Tui won the inaugural Farmer Para Cup Championship title, upsetting the previous undefeated Ontago Spirit 24-20 in front of a great crowd at Clufford Showgrounds. Way down south of the South Islands in New Zealand, it gave Emma Jensen the perfect send-off. The World Cup winner made her provincial debut back in 1999, and the 57 minutes she played for Tui, and of course course played well was a hundred and thirty ninth game what an impressive record another one who was knocking around in 2010 once she emma jensen um they're a little scrum half factory down there don't they on those two islands um <laughs> henry cox has just picked up seamlessly where from uh, yeah where emma jensen left off and i just wanted to get your thoughts um i know it was a, a couple of weeks ago now but uh, the sevens world cup down in, in cape town um, we got some reaction from one of the winners now, Shiny Williams. We wanted to get you on just to reflect on that World Cup sevens. Um, it was obviously, the World Cup in in Cape Town, um, where you picked up yet another gold medal um, <laughs> against your nearest and dearest rivals. Twenty four, twenty two. Dramatic ending in the final against New Zealand. How was that? Yeah, it was unbelievable. It's always nice to have a win, right? Um, but yeah, like leading into that sort of tournament, 2009 was the last time that Australia had won a World Cup in sevens. So we sort of channeled that and went with the history of the 2009 girls and got them to send a little message in and then rewatched the last bit of the final. And it almost actually came down to that against New Zealand, um, you know, 24-22 uh, coming down to a kick, so could have gone into extra time like that 2009 um, playoff. But, yeah, obviously we came through with the goods. It was awesome. Do you remember the feelings on that on that final whistle? Because, I mean, you must have an incredibly huge sock draw. I don't know where you keep your, your, your medals. Um, but, I mean, you, you, you've been lining them up now. We've got Olympic golds in there. We picked up Commonwealth in Birmingham earlier. Your series title... Um, do you remember the feelings on final whistle? Was it even more sweet of being a World Cup, being against the old enemy? Yes, it's it's obviously quite surreal. It still sometimes doesn't sink in until you've been talking about it a bit longer. And obviously I've just sort of 
jump straight back into footy and come into the the 15 side of things but being around family and friends and then obviously reminiscing stories and stuff with some of the the sevens girls on how they were feeling and what they felt um probably cemented in as well and I remember sitting on the sideline and poor Tamika Wilson you know having to kick that goal um you know to be able to get over that for sure like that's she's only young it's part of you know footy and that's sevens that's how brutal sevens is it's the bounce of the ball the rub of the green all those cliches that sort of come out um but I remember Tokyo like Tokyo was pretty tough for for us Aussie girls you know we lost a couple of games by two points and I was a kicker at that point and I thought about those moments of you know missing those kicks that probably could have got us through um so for me, being able to reflect and look at myself kicking a goal from the sideline that I, you know, probably never would have got, um, you know, I was pretty obviously proud of myself. But then to look at Charlotte Kaslick and, you know, run over to her and think that we've just got the triple crown, um, you know, it was it was a feeling that, you know, you can see in our faces, you can see in the um, the hugs that we're giving, we're running onto each other, like, you can definitely see what it was like on TV. And um, it's probably similar to me reminiscing about 2009, uh, 2016, sorry, um, the gold medal match. You know, it's that feeling of of relief because all that hard work that you've put in and done and all those milestones you've gotten over is, is not just for the game, but for, for everyone watching at home. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, as you say, Dramatic scenes. We, we, we're out in um, in Dubai. Did a couple of sevens tournaments uh, early part of the the series, and it you saw coaches back again. If memory serves me right, and I don't know whether this coincide the jersey change, and it was back to the old. You mentioned green, there, the the green and gold, um, mm-hmm. and it just seems that a. a, a, a a switch was flicked. You were doing warm-ups together. If you guys were playing, the men were watching, vice versa. There seemed to be an incredible unity. Where does the drive come to keep winning? And as you say, pick up the triple crown. Yeah, I think it's it's a standard that you set for yourself, right? And once you have a bunch of people that have succeeded before, it's easy to um, drill into them what it takes and it's easy for them to just get up every day and go, this is my job and how good is this? I get to travel the world. I get to play rugby, but I'm also, I get to win. Um, if I do all those things right, then we're going to have that amazing feeling. Um, so, and as I said, like the rub of the green with with sevens is that, you know, the bounce of the ball could go somewhere else and the opportunity has gone. But it's like, you got to take those opportunities every step of the way. And that's about being in front of the ball and staying ahead of the game and um, knowing where you're from too, being enriched in that history and that culture and it not just being sevens, it's 15s as well. The Wallabies, the Wallaroos and the sevens guys are all, all one unit. I'm Kate Zachary and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So, yeah, they made it the Triple Crown, didn't they, Australia? Well, the Commonwealth, the series title... And of course, now the World Cup dramatic ending was it twenty four twenty two against the nearest and dearest New Zealand. France ended up third, beating USA twenty nine seven. 
Uh, and fair play to Madagascar when her first ever match at a World Cup 7th. Ireland and England battling out for 7th place. And the ladies in green took it to 26-10. Your thoughts on the Cape Town tournament? Yeah, I think the World Cup's so wonderful because you see, you know, the likes of developing countries who are engrossed in it, Madagascar being one of them. And and it just has this different feel around it. I mean, I'm sure people have seen the gesture that um, Australia then donated training oh. shirts. So they had another shirt. They didn't have to continue to wear the same. And I think just that whole community of bringing different nations in um is wonderful and seeing some results for them as well um i think it was always going to be a race to the top between new zealand and um australia i think france have been so strong in the series but just haven't quite or <laughs> didn't quite hit the strides that they were looking to to go on and achieve to get to that final um and usa again i think another team probably didn't achieve what they're capable of achieving but um I think all in all what a spectacular game you had you had some really close games which is so exciting for the the fan and you know to to win a game by two points is so special you prefer to win those tight games than blow teams away um you know at the time you probably don't feel like that but when <laughs> when it's over um and yeah so I think you know Australia rugby sevens is just off the scale you know what they've achieved and what um you know Charlotte Caslick and Charlotte Williams have achieved in their careers at the moment I mean Charlotte Caslick is still so very young so um yeah that they're they're inspiring a nation a country a world about what they're doing and New Zealand aren't far behind that so yeah I think all in all you know World Cup is what it is about it's about the entire world bit taking part and having opportunities and um, yeah, I was glad that I couldn't be out there actually, so I always love being around all the different teams. So, we've got some domestic news now, Berth. There's only one headline really, and it's just all our thoughts and support. I've reached out to a couple of people at Worcester, um, but just a very, very, very sad state of affairs for the, for the players, coaches, and management, everyone surrounded by the, the women's team. Uh, the fault of, of none of them. Um, they did sign off for now. Um, we use that that expression with a, a great cup win. Um, and yes, yeah, the men and the women's outstanding weekend last weekend just showed what the club meant to, to those players. But um, yeah, if you're listening, if there's anything we can do on a personal or pod level, then, then please just get in touch. But yeah, really, really sad times and yeah, very uncertain future. Yeah, I think it, it's it's so unprecedented in the women's game for, at this level. And um, and I think what makes it, it feels even worse from somebody who's on the outside is, you know, the results that they were getting, like that's taken years to get to that point. And now they're at a point where things are collectively working for them and for them that to be taken away. And with all the disruption leading up to those matches as well, um, it really is heartbreaking because, as you say, it's none of the fault of the players. They they have absolutely no control, and they're being turmoil around. What what do I do? What what do I do? I sit and wait and hope. Do I trust, um, or do I need to start thinking about what I'm going to do next? And that that will be really challenging for the players because, you know, you've played at grassroots rugby clubs, you've played at level clubs where 
they're your home and you don't want to leave based on those kind of decisions. So I think, yeah, it's a really troublesome time. And as you said, like, if any player wants to have a chat about anything, then I'm here as well. And the pod is obviously open DMs and stuff. But yeah, it's really, really sad time. And I really hope that it can be rectified very quickly that this it doesn't impact the players too much. Yeah, the only thing uh, is that we should have a little bit of time before those Premier 15 matches start, uh, unlike the, the men. So we said, don't know what's going to happen, but um, yeah. Sad times at six ways. The uh, 2023 Six Nations fixtures have been released. Again, another dedicated winner March and April. All matches to be live in all six countries competing. And Super Saturday on the 29th of April with England, France, Italy, Wales and Scotland, Ireland. And off the back of that, where England playing their home games, Berth? Yeah, pretty exciting to see that it's getting moved around again. So they've announced that the 2023 Six Nations venues will be Scotland at Kingston Park, Newcastle, um, Saturday the 22nd, on Saturday the 22nd, Franklin Gardens in Northampton will host the Italy game at Sunday the 2nd before the Red Roses take on France at Twickenham Stadium on the 29th of April, which will be the first standalone England women's fixture at the iconic venue. Early bird tickets are on sale now, so go to England Rugby website and get your tickets. I know you've got to get back onto a holiday, but this is your moment, people. This is a massive test for the RFU to see where the ambitions are, are filling up Twickenham for the 2025 final. Show your support by doing your walking up to the ground, buying a ticket on the website and, and going to see it. London Irish have announced their intention to join the Prem over a year ago, but recently announced a stellar coaching setup to be joined by Graham Smith, former England forwards coach and World Cup winning coach, Abby Chamberlain, international at both sevens and fifteens, and former Blackfern Lydia Keir and Karen Finley returns to the coaching scene at London Irish. Don't know how do you? Um, in Ireland, the All-Energy, All-Ireland League has got underway. Old Beaver, they lead the way. Uh, they've beaten Bowes, Bellencolic and Setonians. Goweedans are in second with victories over Bellencolic and Cook. Defending champions, Railway Union, have won both of their games to date against Bowes and Bellencolic. Uh, as has Blacklock against uh, Cook and Wicklow. US Bowes have won one of their three games. That was the opening one uh, against Wicklow. So Tony is Wicklow and Cock yet to win in their two games, Bell and Cock two, but they've played three. This weekend on Friday, Cook hosts Satonians, while Saturday sees Bell and Cock face Wicklow. The Weasons travel to Blackrock, Belvedere to Cook, and Satonians go head to head with Railway Union. Also from Ireland, the Interprofessional Championship coaches have been announced, and Nee Briggs will head up Munster with our old teammate Tanner Rossa leading Leinster. That'll be a fascinating match-up as well, won't it? But if you've got to get back to the uh, Strawberry Daiquiri and the Sun Lounger, let's just finish up um, with a few little shout-outs in this little mini-pod, the calm before the storm, before a big old week next week, of course. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, get an invite to Martin Thomas's book launch last night, and four megastars of the game um, possibly the game wouldn't be where it is without these four ladies were there last night they've been inducted to the world rugby hall of fame as well um six legends uh, deborah griffin uh, and sue dorrington alice d cooper uh, mary mary forsyth all from england kathy flores from usa and fiel farmer silly from new zealand 
Um, or they'll be honoured at the semi-final at Eden Park um, on the 5th of November. Yeah, uh, Deb, Sue, Alice uh, and Mary were on outstanding form last night. Um, I've not <laughs> met Sue before. What a ball of energy she is. Um, great characters, Deborah and Alice. And um, yeah, ladies who put uh, the first World Cup together. Yeah, huge congratulations to, to our pioneers. Um, there's also been another book release. I can't believe how many books we keep talking about in women's rugby. It's it's amazing. Um, but this see is what you started, Alison Donnelly. See what you started. <laughs> so this one comes from Olympic and World Cup sevens gold medalist Ruby Tui. In her book, Straight Up, if it's half as good as some of her post-match interviews, we'll be in for a right treat. And I'm hoping to get a signed copy in New Zealand when I get get there. Yeah, I really good. let her know. Oh, good. Nice. Uh, Sarah here in Eatony, Goss. Um, big shout out for her for becoming the first Blackfern Simmons player to represent New Zealand in 50 tournaments. Um, a great other code came away with silver from Cape Town. Uh, and again, you may well have seen it across social media, but um, um, yeah, one of the most awesome things you'll see display of pride and admiration for their teammate um the hucker and the change room for sarah uh, i know she would have um, that would have gone straight to the heart yeah absolutely another remarkable player and over the summer sene naapu announced her retirement capped 48 times by ireland was part of the 2015 squad that won the six nations an international in sevens and 15s and touch sene she's a friend of ours a friend of the pod and also is going to be in New Zealand, part of Spark Sport presentation team covering the World Cup in New Zealand. Yeah, happy outst- retirement. Yeah, happy retirement. You know her very well indeed. Uh, an outstanding ambassador on and off the field. Um, I will be less for her not being in the green. Uh, we must just say, Chris Turner and Stockton, under thirteen girls. You guys need a shout out and an apology uh, for our tiredness and replying to you guys. Um, hope this season has started well and started with a bang stay in touch and we'll get all your news out there as well but that's it Burf, I can I can smell a strawberry daiquiri all the way from here trying to get to the door she's trying to get to the door <laughs> Burf, continue to recharge the batteries it's been absolutely lovely to see you looking so tanned and well and relaxed um, enjoy the rest of your holiday and we'll see you next week cheers Johnny cheers everyone bye